we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Yo, what's happening? I'm Nick Springer here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Derek Johnson out today. He's on vacation. He was out on Friday and out today as well. He'll be back tomorrow. So I'll be with you once again for today's show. Pretty exciting edition of a Monday show here on Rock Talk Sports Talk. We're going to get into the KU-Iowa State game over the weekend here in just a moment. A little Rock Talk pick coming up later on in this hour. Get you set for the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is this weekend, by the way, coming up. We're six days away from the Super Bowl. In the 4 o'clock hour, case of the Mondays, we'll talk about the Big 12. A little recap of KU women's basketball. They had a big game also over the weekend. We'll talk about that. And in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll get you set for the KU-Texas game later on tonight, which can be heard right here on KLWN. And also get you some post-game audio from KJ Adams, Jalen Wilson, and Bill Self following that loss to Iowa State. Pretty fun show today. And yes, KU-Texas tonight. Pre-game with the Crimson and Blue Show at 6.30 here on KLWN and our sister station 105.9 KISS leading into tip-off with Brian Haney and Greg Gurley at 8 p.m. tonight on Big Monday, KU, and Texas. But first, we need to recap this game on Saturday. KU loses to Iowa State 68-53. The Jayhawks dropped to 6-4 and in conference play, 18-5 and overall. Iowa State improves to 7-3 and in conference play, a game ahead of KU, and now 16-6 and overall. And this game had really all of the hallmarks of what we saw from Kansas' three-game losing streak earlier this season. A slow start, lots of turnovers, shots not falling, and no real help scoring-wise from anybody not named Jalen Wilson. That's pretty much what we saw against Iowa State on Saturday. And Kansas in the game had 20 turnovers. That's their highest of the whole season. And if you had told me that, that just that alone by itself before the game tipped off, that Kansas was going to turn it over 20 times on the road in Ames, yeah, I'd, I'd say probably pretty tough for KU to, to, to come up with a win at that point. And sure enough, it was. They lost by 15. And Iowa State, obviously, that's one of their trademarks is, is strong defense and turnovers. But I think really the start to this game, again, kind of defined Kansas. They get down early, and especially against a team like Iowa State, when you get down early, and, and listen, it doesn't sound that crazy. Like Iowa State got up eleven to five. I think they well they were up nine to three and then eleven to five early in the game. It was well, I guess it was thirteen to five at the with thirteen minutes left in the first half. So again, thirteen to five that early in the game doesn't sound like that significant of a deficit. But against a team like Iowa State that plays a slow tempo, that plays really strong defense and is really going to try to lock you down and force turnovers, that is significant. 
And really, the fact that it was 13 to 5, that's not really the headline there. What's the headline there is it was 13 to 5 with 13 minutes left in the first half. That means Kansas had five points in the first seven minutes of the game. So that's a slow start. Five points in seven minutes is, is a slow start. And when you do that, like I said, when you do that, especially against a team like Iowa State, you're playing directly into their strengths. And that's exactly what happened. Iowa State wants to play the game 30 seconds at a time and control the tempo. They want to play lockdown defense. And when you're down like that, you're just playing into that even more. And well, the one thing that we think this Kansas team has generally been pretty strong at has been getting out and running in transition and whatnot. Well, Iowa State had more points in transition than KU did in this game, too. They had more fast break points. So really just after the slow start, Kansas battled back again, but we've heard before from Bill Self, when you have to expend so much energy just battling back to get it to a more of a closer game, you don't necessarily have enough to really to really go from there. And a great example is this Iowa State first half. You get down by eight early. You get down by eight early, and you have to grind, battle your way back, and you get it to 20-18. to 18. Iowa State was up 20 to 18 with, at that point, six six minutes, six and a half minutes left. And then the half ends on a 13 to 2 Iowa State run, 33 21. Why? You had to expend that energy to to get yourself out of that early hole, and you you didn't have much left. For the rest of that first half. And then all of a sudden you're down 12 at the half and you're on the road against a team that hasn't lost in Ames all season and it's tough. And you can't come back, obviously. They didn't come back. Jalen was great again. Just phenomenal. And I, I there's really, you. I'm almost run out of words of superlatives to describe the, the way Jalen has played in the last six games. In fact, over the last six games, Jalen has had the best six-game stretch scoring-wise of any player under Bill Self ever. Let that sink in for a second. In, in over 20 years, and think about all of the names that have come through Kansas. And Jalen Wilson has had the best six-game stretch scoring-wise of any player in Kansas history under Bill Self. Now think about this. In those six games, KU's two and four. That's got to be frustrating. That's got to be frustrating for Jalen. That's got to be frustrating for Bill Self. That's got to be frustrating for the coaching staff. You've got a guy who is the best player on your team playing not at a high level, at an unprecedented historic level. And you're two and four in that stretch if you're Kansas. And that's just because there's been no help. There's been nobody. There's been nobody to to support him in in some of these games. Grady slumped again. Just one of four from three. And he had open looks. And I think that's what's going to be particularly disappointing about this game from a standpoint of going back and watching the film is that in the first half especially, you were getting good looks if you were Kansas. You were getting good looks. You You were getting quality shots, and they just weren't falling in that first half. You were doing a good job of moving the ball. You were creating some openings openings for some of your guys, and the shots just weren't falling. 
And I think that will be reflected in if you go back and watch that first half. Kansas had some decent opportunities, some decent looks. Couldn't capitalize. Kansas shot just 6 of 23 from 3 in that game. Dewan was 0 for 3. Kevin 0 for 2. Joe finished 2 for 5. Bobby 0 for 1. Jalen was 3 of 8, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 3 of 8. And Grady 1 of 4. So Jalen goes 3 of 8. Everybody else combines for three makes, and two of them came from Joe. That's probably not going to cut it. And as I said, this was KU's worst turnover game of the season with 20. Twenty turnovers on the road against a top twelve team with an elite defense, a team that's never lost at home. You're just not going to win that game. You're not going to win that game. And like I said, you look at that alone. It's easy to it's easy to see why KU lost this game by double digits. And on top of all that, the injuries are starting to pile up for Kansas. Zach Clement sounds like he could be sidelined for a bit. Bobby still doesn't appear to be 100%. Zuby's still gone. And so suddenly, particularly at the five with the big men, a position that you at one point thought, okay, well, you know, we've got four guys we could throw in there, really. You're down to just two. We're five guys you could throw in there at the five. You have KJ Adams, who starts, obviously. You had Ernest, Zuby. Zach Clements, Cam Martin. Cam Martin's out. Doesn't sound like he's going to be back anytime soon. Zuby out, and now it sounds like Zach Clements is going to be sidelined. Bobby's not 100%. MJ has been unreliable, obviously, all season long due to injury. So it's really just your core guys at this point. And... Against Iowa State, they weren't scoring besides Jalen. And the bench also relapsed against Iowa State. After their probably best performance of the season of Big 12 conference play, I guess would be the better statement to make. Joe gets eight, but it just didn't really feel impactful. And Ernest gets one, and you didn't, you didn't get anything from anybody else. Clements played less than a minute before suffering that knee injury. MJ Rice played four and a half minutes, got a rebound, didn't get up a shot. Bobby Pettiford, 0 for 1. He took a 3. Bobby Pettiford, really not a great day game for him at all. Three assists with three turnovers, two fouls, 0 of 1 on the one three-point shot, no points. So, again, it's, it's, a, it's a double whammy, man. You got injuries to your bench, and on top of that, the bench has not been performing anyways. And when you look at Iowa State and kind of how they won this game, it wasn't really their, it wasn't really their, their big-time shot makers. Jaron Holmes... Their leading scorer had a solid game. He led them with 15 points, but Caleb Grill was one of seven from three. 
That's the guy who's shooting 46% in conference play, and he goes one of one of seven. And Kalsher hit two threes, but he only finished with eight points. And those are their two big guys. They're two big uh, volume scores or guys that can score in volume. One of them had eight points. The other one was one of seven from three. Instead, it was Trey King off the bench. Ten points on five of five shooting all in the first half, by the way. And their big man, Osanuni, got 13. And that, I think, is also kind of epitomizes what Kansas is, is missing, is that Kansas don't doesn't have any other guys they can go to right now, whether because of injury or just because they're not there. You know, I think by, I think by this point in the season, you hoped that MJ was going to be that sixth guy off the bench that could score, or you'd hope that Joe would have shown a solid foundation of of being somebody who could come off the bench and score. It's not there, and that's just not really who Bobby is. So, from the guard standpoint, they, there's just not much there. And from your big standpoint. You were getting some decent minutes from some of those guys, but none of them necessarily as real scores. But yeah, I think you kind of hoped Ernest would become that, but he's just now getting to, Ernest is just now in the situation where he's starting to get to play a little bit more. Well, now he's going to have to because they don't have anybody else, but you just don't have that. So if you're not going to get scoring from the bench, then Grady Dick can't go one of four from three and finish with seven points. Kevin McCuller can't go one of four from the floor in the game and finish with two points. Dewan Harris can't go one of five from the floor and 0 of three from three and finish with two points. Like that, that can't happen because you're not getting any support from, you're not getting the support from the bench. So you look at Grady Dick, you look at Kevin McCuller. And, and again, we've talked about Dewan. And I mean, Dewan again is, is the guy where, if DeJuan gets you six or eight points, you're probably feeling okay about that because you know he's going to contribute in other ways. Now, with Kevin, he gets a lot of rebounds. He had 11 rebounds in the game to lead Kansas. But I think he's the guy that you look to as more of a scorer than, like, DeJuan. And K.J. Adams finished with seven points. So then you start to look around and say, okay, well, you know you're not going to get a high volume scoring from your bench. If Grady and Kevin and KJ don't really show up and Dewan's not really doing much, who are you left with? Jalen Wilson. But at what point is Jalen Wilson going to start slowing down? And by slowing down, I just mean at what point does he average 17 a game instead of 23 or whatever it is or 25 over this Six-game stretch. Because if you think about it, if Jalen doesn't go nuclear in some of these games, the TCU game could have been, what, a 30-point loss? A 35-point loss? K-State would have been a double-digit loss, potentially, if not more. So Jalen is obviously, uh, it's been a Herculean effort for him, but Get this guy some help, man. Get this guy some help. I mean, come on. So at the end of the day, overall, I think you feel like you feel a little bit like the spark from your last two games got snuffed out. With that said, though, 
I want to take this out to kind of the bigger picture, which is in KU's last six games, they've played five top 15 teams. And the one team that they didn't play that was that was not a top 15 team, oh, that was on the road against Kentucky. Now, in that stretch, you've had a couple games in there, K-State and Baylor, that maybe could have gone your way, but they didn't. And now you're in a position where if you don't win tonight against Texas, you're, you're kind of out of it. You're kind of out of it. Texas will at that point have a three-game lead over you. Plus, they will have beaten you on your home floor. You're 6-5. and five. I mean, does 6-5 and five sound like a team that's going to win the Big 12? Now, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that 7-4 and four sounds like a team that's going to be Big 12, but it's, it's obviously a lot better. You think, oh, well, it's just one game. I mean, is it really that big of a deal? Yes. Given the context of everyone jumbled up at the top of the conference, yes, one game is a big deal. But I've talked about this. A couple of these losses, K-State and Baylor, are ones that you might look back on in March or April and think, man, you know, that's one you could have got back. That's one that could have gone the other way. This Iowa State loss, not like that. But I don't think you need to feel terrible about the, the Iowa State loss. Listen, Iowa State's undefeated at home for a reason. They have a really strong defense. They're a really, really solid team. And they already have home wins against Texas and K-State, some of the other top teams in the conference. So I don't think you need to feel bad about losing to Iowa State on the road. In fact, of this, of this group of, of this stretch, the Iowa State game was probably the game most KU fans would have expected, well, yeah, you know, we might not win that one, right? Going into it, going into the stretch. But given the given the fact that they that KU you know dropped the game against CCU at home, they dropped the game against K State. It stings a little more for sure. And like I said, it it, it magnifies this Texas game times a thousand tonight. And I've talked about it over the next ten days, over the next week and a half or so, a lot of these top Big 12 teams play each other. And so we're going to learn a lot about who is a contender and who's maybe in that second tier. And that includes Kansas. And if Kansas loses tonight, I think they're in that second tier pretty firmly. If you win, and and when I say second tier, I mean still really good team. I mean, Kansas is still probably going to end up as a two or three seed unless they just bottom out, which I don't think is going to happen at all. But there's a difference between being a really good team and being a team that can compete for a Big 12 title, especially this year, with how tough the league is. So so both those statements can be true. You can be a good team. You can be a really good team. But you also might not be good enough to win the Big 12 title. Both those statements can be true. And that might be where Kansas is at, especially if they don't win tonight at home against Texas. So that makes tonight really a, a back-against-the-wall, make-or-break game. I don't want to use the term must-win unless you're looking at this from a standpoint of Kansas winning the Big 12. Then it's must-win. And if Kansas loses, the conversation might shift to, okay, let's just get let's just get ready for the tournament, the NCAA tournament. I don't know. We'll see. <clears throat> but, yes, this game now takes on even more significance. And listen, this Texas game obviously would have been very significant if Kansas had 
won against Iowa State on Saturday, but now it just the pressure just, just gets ratcheted up to a whole other level. And these are the games that historically I think Bill Self finds a way to win, but I guess we'll find out. All right, we'll talk more KU Texas coming up later on in the show. A reminder that you can listen to KU and Texas tonight on KLWN and our sister station 105.9 KISS with pregame coverage beginning with the Crimson and Blue show at 6.30, tip off at 8 o'clock tonight. As I said, we'll get more into KU and Texas later on in the show. We'll take a timeout right now. When we come back, we'll give you a recap of Derek and I's Rock Chuck Pickhawk. I know he's not here, but uh, we, we actually, via text, selected for tonight's game against Texas. So we'll recap uh, what happened from the Iowa State game in Rock Chuck Pickahawk, and we'll take a look at uh, what our selections were for tonight's game against Texas. That is on the other side. You're listening to Rock Chuck Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chuck Sports Talk. Nick Chuck Sports Talk today. Derek Johnson is out again. I'm Nick Springer. Derek Johnson will be back tomorrow. But I don't know why you'd want to hear Derek anyways. I mean, I know that I'm the way more uh, appealing member of the show. So, I don't know. Who cares if Derek's back tomorrow? I don't care. No, I do care. I like Derek. You should like Derek too. All right, we're going to get into our Rock Chuck Pickoff recap from Saturday here in just a moment. But first, want to remind you, football fans, are you ready for the biggest Sunday in sports? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57, has all the Super Bowl action you need. New customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get in on the Super Bowl 57 excitement with DraftKings Happy Hour Super Bowl boosts. Check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. EST. Boo, EST. To see what prop bet will be boosted. Please talk about your Super Bowl 57 pick and who you'll be keeping an eye on with your friends, what most excites you about DraftKings. You can find all that stuff on DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code KLWN. That's right, code KLWN. New customers can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code KLWN. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older. Physically present in Kansas. Bonus issued is free bets. Opt-in required for odds boost. Bet type and amount limits vary. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.com slash DraftKings slash football terms on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. All right, Rock Chuck, pick a hawk. From Saturday, it was a bloodbath. So listen, Derek, he'd been on a little win streak, and every every time after Rock Chuck, pick a hawk, he'd come in and be like, oh, I said I was going to go on a little win streak. <laughs> Derek's win streak is no longer. It's no longer. I got the win easily. Easily. During Saturday's matchup. So easily, in fact, that I could have won with only one player. That's how bad Derek's team was. So Derek had Grady Dick, Kevin McCuller, Gabe Kausher, Ernest Uday, Bobby Pettiford, and Joe Yesfu. So as a reminder, in Rock Chuck Pickhawk, we each draft a team of players. You get one point for every point your player scores, two points for assists, two points for rebounds, three points for steals and blocks, 
you lose a point for every shot missed. So efficiency matters. You lose two points for turnovers, and you lose one additional point for every foul your player has. And we select KU players plus in Big 12 play, we select one player from the opposing team. So in this case, Derek got Gabe Kalsher. I ended up drafting Caleb Grill. My team was Jalen Wilson, KJ Adams, Dewan Harris, Caleb Grill, Zach Clements, MJ Rice. So for Derek's team, Grady Dick got him negative seven. Negative seven. And that was Derek's first pick. The reason Grady got a negative seven is that he had five turnovers. That's negative 10 pickhawk points. He only scored seven points on two of six shooting. And he only had one rebound plus two fouls. So negative seven from Grady. Derek got 19 from Kevin McCuller. Eight from Gabe Kalsher, who had a pretty quiet game. Ernest Uday had two. Bobby Pettiford got him negative three. And Joe Yesfu had seven for a whopping grand total of 26 for Derek. Now, if you've been following along, you would know at this point that 26 is like a, a good day from Jalen. It's like an average day from Jalen Wilson. And to that point, I had Jalen Wilson. Jalen Wilson scored 31. I could have beat Derek with one player, Jalen Wilson. 31 from Jalen. Derek's entire team got 26. But I inst- instead, I decided to just keep piling it on. KJ, KJ Adams got me 19. Dewan Harris, 14. Caleb Grill, 18. Zach Clements had just three. He had the one block. And MJ Rice had two for a total of 87. So we have not been officially keeping track here, but I'm, I can confidently say that 26, I believe, is a season low for a total score. So overall, Derek now has... 12 pickock wins, and I have eight. There were a couple games we missed in there, I think. I think, uh, like, over Thanksgiving break, I think we missed a few of the games for the Battle for Atlantis tournament. All right, so we also drafted. So Derek's on vacation. We also drafted via text for tonight's game against Texas. So Derek had the first pick. I'll go through these picks for tonight's game. Derek got Jalen Wilson number one. I think Jalen Wilson's gone number one almost every time. There were a couple times where Grady went number one, and I think actually Kevin went number one uh, maybe a time or two, but it's been Jalen Wilson like 95% of the time going one. With the second pick, I took K.J. Adams. We snake drafted, so I took K.J. Adams, and then I went with Kevin McCuller. Derek selected Dewan Harris and Ernest Uday, which raised some eyebrows in my draft room because that meant that Grady Dick was still available. So, I let Grady Dick pass. I I passed on Grady Dick with my second and third picks. I did not expect Derek to pass on Grady Dick with his next picks. So, I scooped him up. Good value. I took Grady Dick, and then I got Marcus Carr from Texas. Derek got Tyrese Hunter from Texas. So, those are each our one opposing players for our teams. Derek then went with Bobby Pettiford. And I got Joe Yesifu and MJ Rice. And with the injuries to Kansas, there wasn't many options left for Derek's last pick. He ultimately went with Michael Jankovic for his last pick. And I might get into this a little bit later. I haven't decided yet. Michael Jankovic is in a position where he could legitimately see a little bit of playing time. And here's why. As I just outlined in the Iowa State recap, you look at 
your potential scoring options off the bench if you're Kansas. MJ Rice has been way too inconsistent health-wise to really contribute anything significant from a guard standpoint. Joey Esifu has yet to establish any sort of solid foundation of reliable scoring. Neither has Bobby, and it's probably not coming for Bobby. And that's it. So from a guard scoring off the bench standpoint, those are your three options. Or you toss Michael Jankovic out there. See what he can do. See if he can let it fly. I'm not saying I want to see that. I am not abdicating for that. I'm just simply saying it is not that far-fetched of an option, I don't think, depending on the circumstances. So who knows? Maybe maybe the Michael Jankovic pick might be Derek's saving grace because he just got eviscerated in the, in the Iowa State matchup, 87-26. to 26. So again, that sets our season totals of wins with Derek at 12. And I've got eight. But I'm coming now. It's my it's my time to shine. We'll see what happens tonight. All right, that's Rock Chalk Pickahawk. We will take a short break here on RCST when we come back. A little bit of a KU football spring update. They made an announcement earlier this afternoon before we started the show. And also some Chiefs updates. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about to do a little bit of a pre-preview of the Super Bowl. I'm, I know we're going to be probably talking a lot about the Super Bowl this week with the Chiefs. So we'll... We'll dabble with that a little bit coming up in the next segment. We'll take a short break. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer. Derek Johnson out today. He'll be back tomorrow. And KU fans would like to remind you that the rivalry at the rink is back. It's coming up. Some rivalries stand the test of time. The University of Kansas Jayhawks battle the Missouri Tigers on the ice at Cable Dahmer Arena on February 16th. Cable Dahmer is a great venue to feel close to the action. Come out on February 16th for rivalry at the rink. Tickets are on sale now. Check out the group ticket pricing featuring 15% off normal ticket prices for groups of eight or more. Get your tickets or learn more about birthday party packages for rivalry at the rink between Kansas and Missouri on February 16th, so less than two weeks away, at CableDomerArena.com. And if you head over to Derek Johnson's Twitter account, at DJohnsonRadio, we are going to be doing a giveaway of some tickets to this event, Kansas versus Missouri, coming up on February 16th. You can head over to Derek Johnson's social media on Twitter at the Johnson Radio to learn more about how to enter into that contest, and we'll be giving away some tickets next week. And also, if for whatever reason you can't make it to the game on February 16th, we'll be broadcasting it live right here on KLWN with Joel Becker. That's rivalry at the rink, Kansas and Missouri, in a bit of a hockey matchup on February 16th. All right, a couple of updates I wanted to get to here. First, on the K football side of things, they made a little bit of an announcement. They made it official earlier this afternoon. Friday night, April 7th, will be the spring football game. Although they're, they're not calling it that. They're calling it the spring showcase. And so you see a lot of teams kind of doing this more now. It's not so much a traditional like spring football game. It's more of like a 
an open practice with a live scrimmage session that they call like the game part of it. And it's more of like a fan fest activity thing. They normally do some different stuff like that. So that's Friday night, April 7th. So mark your calendars. Uh, you get a chance to see, get an early look at KU football. And KU spring practices start, I think, on February 28th, so in about three weeks. And then that culminates with the spring game on April 7th, Friday night. Uh, so you can go check that out. I'll probably be there, honestly, to check out a little bit of an early preview of KU football. Of course, in a very exciting time for KU football. Coming off their bowl season and looking to springboard into an even better fall of 2023. So Friday night, April 7th, is the spring showcase that was announced by KU football on their Twitter earlier uh, this afternoon. So I wanted to give an update on that. Okay. We're almost at an hour into the show, and I feel bad. We haven't, I haven't even hardly mentioned it's Super Bowl week, and the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. That's right. If you just woke up from your coma or whatever that you fell into earlier this in the summer, Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. Let's go. Coming up this week on Sunday night, I am personally still in the hype mode of just fired up. I'm excited. Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Let's go. Glad to be here. I would say by about Wednesday-ish, I'll probably enter into the uh, more nervous mode. You know, it's it's almost like uh, the, what do they have? It's the five stages of grief, but it's like the reverse, I guess. The five stages of like getting ready for either extreme pain or extreme joy, I guess, if the Chiefs win or if the Chiefs lose. So right now I'm in stage one, which is, Hey, I'm just excited. Let's go. Happy to be here. Let's do it. Nervous stage is going to be coming up here pretty soon. Then there'll be like the denial stage where I'll be like, surely we can't lose. We're the, we're the Chiefs. We're going to win. Like, what do you mean? It's the Chiefs. The Chiefs are not going to lose. That We'll have that stage in there for a little bit. Then we'll have the stage of there's no chance the Chiefs win. I'm just setting myself up for pain. And then normally for me personally, by the time we get closer to kickoff, I go back to a more nervous stage and then I go back to and then I and then I enter like a the actually the final stage for me is like the ultra hyper confident stage. Like right before kickoff I'm like, okay, let's do it. Chiefs are already a Super Bowl champions. Like just crown them now. Why are we even playing the game? They already won. So yeah, right now I'm definitely still in the just the excited stage. But I will say some of the uh Chiefs injury news, Chiefs uh injury updates it's definitely making me more nervous than excited. So today, the Chiefs announced that they have uh, put Har- McCole Hardman back on injured reserve, so Michael Hardman's done. He's not going to play in the Super Bowl. And for the Chiefs, he might not play for the Chiefs ever again. He's going to be a free agent. He could just be gone. And I think going into the season, so there's a couple, there's a couple of different dynamics to take into account here. Going into the season, I think most people expected, you know, Mikol, if he has a good to solid season, a solid to good season, he's probably going to be wanting to get paid pretty well. Chiefs probably not going to be able to afford to do that, so he's going to be gone anyways, right? And I think I think even more so, the, the trade for Kadarius Tony almost kind of reaffirmed that of like, okay, you get Tony, he's basically a Mikol Hardman. They, they, they both have similar strengths. Tony might even be a little bit better. In some cases, he's certainly more shifty. But with the Mikko Harbin injury, he's not really in a position, I don't think, to to demand a ton of money in free agency. I mean, he's been hurt basically the whole season. 
or a good chunk of the season. But I don't know if you've looked, the wide receiver free agent class this season, like around the league, is pretty bad. And normally when that happens, that means you're going to get guys that aren't that good that are going to get paid a lot by some teams that are desperate. That's normally how this thing works. So even though Mikola has been injured a good majority of the season, hasn't really done a whole lot, I think he still could end up actually getting a good chunk of change from somebody. And I think that somebody will not be the Chiefs, more than likely. Because Juju Smith is also going to be a free agent, and you probably would rather have Juju. But forget about that. We we have we have the whole offseason to talk about whether or not we're going to re-sign Michael Hardman. The big news in the here and now is that he's done. But on the flip side, even bigger news, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire activated. Reactivated, I should say. He's back. Now, I Clyde is a very polarizing figure within the Chiefs' kingdom, I would say. Very polarizing. Generally speaking, I have been more of a Clyde defender than more of a not-Clyde defender, if that makes sense. In that, I've been like, okay, you know, he kind of sucks, but like, you know, it's whatever, it's fine. But now that Isaiah Pacheco has been freed and he's just been unleashed, I, I would, I would prefer not to see Clyde very much. I don't know if we, I don't even know if we learn. I mean, listen, getting reactivated does not equal he's going to start or play. But I, I would prefer it be Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon. It's been, I, I it, this is one of those situations where. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Pacheco and McKinnon have been great together. They've been a really, really dynamic one-two punch. Pacheco makes an earthquake every time he runs with how hard he stamps the ground. And McKinnon does so many things so well, and he's been so good over the past eight weeks. So I would prefer not to see that much of Clyde in the Super Bowl, if any. But I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I, I I say that, but I do actually expect to see him. I I don't I don't know why. I just I'm just telling you. I just think I expect to see him. I don't want to see him really, but I think we're going to. So, but being in the Super Bowl, it's it's a big deal, and I I want Chiefs fans to to make sure that they understand the the situation here and that the Chiefs are now going to their, their third Super Bowl in the last four years. Obviously, they've ho- they've hosted five straight AFC Championship games. Like, this this doesn't happen. I mean, not even Brady hosted five straight AFC Championship games. So, I'm, I've been, I mean, I, and I've, been, I've been trying to practice this since over the last two, three years. I'm just trying to stay in the moment, man, and just enjoying it. Just, just enjoying the moment. I mean, you got a guy like Patrick Mahomes. You got a guy like Travis Kelsey. Such a great duo. You got Chris Jones. I mean, there's a lot to like. There's a lot to like. And there's a lot to get excited about. There's a, and you know and about winning and losing whatever. Well, I'll just I this is what I always go back to. This this I always go back to this. I always go back to this man to just remember the remember the situation that we're in now of having this every year success. This is what I go back to. The Kansas City Chiefs, they won the Super Bowl in 2020, February of 2020. 
In February of 2020, I was 22 years old. In February of 2020, my dad, James, was 52 years old. When the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl in 2020, that was my first time witnessing a Chiefs Super Bowl and my dad's first time witnessing a Chiefs Super Bowl. And we're 30 years apart. That's what I go back to. That's what I go back to just to remind myself of how spoiled we are with what we have right now. With what the Chiefs have right now. And so I just try to soak it all in, man. I just try to enjoy it. I just try to enjoy every moment of it. The ups, the downs, going to the Super Bowl. I just try to I just try to soak it all in. Because I think I think that's all you can do. It's it's exciting. Obviously you want the Chiefs to win. But I said I said this in twenty twenty after the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. And I say it now, still still feeling pretty confident that I, I'm okay with it. And that is that I think the Chiefs could never win another Super Bowl in my lifetime. And I would probably be happy because they won one. That may sound crazy to some people. And obviously with Mahomes and Kelsey and everybody else, you figure the Chiefs are going to be in contention for winning one. Obviously they're in it this year. They've been to three of the last four. You figure they're probably going to be in contention for the next at least four or five, if not longer, right, with Mahomes. But I don't know, man. I mean, just just winning one, just winning one was so special for me. Obviously, I'd like two, three, four, more the merrier. But that first one, man, and even if it ends up being the only one, I think I would still be able to, to be happy, be happy with that. That's just me. I understand some people might feel differently. Might Some people might look back on this in, in 10, 15 years and say, wow, look at what the Chiefs had, and they only won one Super Bowl. They only won two Super Bowls. With that, with Andy Reid, with Patrick Mahomes, with that team, for that, and they hosted five straight AFC Championship games, only won two Super Bowls out of that, one Super Bowl out of that. I can already see the revisionist history now of people saying, yeah, man, the Chiefs choked. How do they not win more? Guys. It's hard to win a Super Bowl. It's really hard to win a Super Bowl. It's almost impossible. I mean, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of great, great NFL players. Guys that are in the Hall of Fame. Guys that are in the top .03% of the NFL in what they've done. They don't have Super Bowls. There are guys that are considered the greatest of all time, uh, some of the greatest of all time, that have maybe won. Guys like Drew Brees. Guys like Aaron Rodgers. It's very hard to win a Super Bowl. It's very hard to win multiple Super Bowls. So I just like to offer some, some perspective on that. Some perspective on that. And like I said, I think that kind of just circles back to me saying, I just want to enjoy it. I just want to soak it all in. I try not to go into it thinking, oh, you know, obviously I'll be disappointed. Obviously I'll be sad if the Chiefs lose, but, like, they got me one. They got me one. And that may be enough because there are plenty of people who didn't even get to witness that. So I just try to, I just try to keep that in perspective. That's just my thoughts. All right, I'm sure we'll talk – plenty more about the Chiefs Super Bowl 
And I'm sure that by later this week, I will be saying that if the Chiefs don't win the next four Super Bowls, that I will be very disappointed and very upset about that. I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll say that later this week. But right now, I'm in more of a sentimental mood, and I just wanted to say, hey, you know, just enjoy it, man. Just enjoy the moment. All right, we're going to take a short time out for the top of the hour. And in the 4 o'clock hour coming up, Case of the Mondays, Big 12 update. And I also want to talk about K-Women's basketball as well. This is RCST. This morning after your weekend-long bender. I got to get out of here. I think I'm going to lose it. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're freaking me out, man. I got a massive headache. Okay, let's just calm down. How many does it calm down? Look around you. With Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. All right, 4 o'clock hour here on Rock Chuck Sports Talk. And Case of the Monday is coming up in just a moment. But I do want to remind you, the Super Bowl is coming up. We just talked about it. And are you ready for the biggest Sunday in sports? With DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57, has all new Super Bowl action you need. New customers can get just five, can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get in on the Super Bowl 57 excitement with our DraftKings Happy Hour Super Boosts. Check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day between now and the Super Bowl from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern to see what prop bet will be boosted. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code KLWN. New customers can bet just $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code KLWN. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus issued as free bets. Opt-in required for odds boost. Bet type and amount limits vary. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. All right, case of the Mondays. You know who's having a case of the Mondays is me. I was a little bit sick over the weekend, but I am battling through it. All right, here we go. Case of the Mondays. <clears throat> Had to cue up the music, sorry. Music has been queued. I'm experiencing Derek Johnson out today. He'll be back uh, tomorrow. He's been on vacation. All right, here we go. Case of the Mondays. First up on Case of the Mondays, LeBron James. Case of the Mondays for LeBron James. After Kyrie Irving wanted a trade from Brooklyn, that started a whole bunch of rumors about various things. And supposedly the Lakers were in on in on Kyrie pretty heavily. And then yesterday, Kyrie gets traded to the Dallas Mavericks. And after the trade was completed, LeBron James tweeted, maybe it's me, after the announced trade to the Mavericks from Kyrie. Maybe it's me. LeBron James is going through it. And listen, everybody's been there. Everybody's been, listen, this is the equivalent of like, let's see, I'm trying to think, like, I don't know, maybe you have like an ex, but like you like you you really want to get back together. And you think that your ex also wants to get back together with you. And then you you feel like it's you maybe might have a chance, and then at the last second, boom, they pop up with somebody new. Is is that a fair is that a fair 
uh, metaphor there. So LeBron James really going through it on this on this Monday. Maybe it's me. If you've ever thought maybe it's me, you and LeBron James are this are not as different as you might think. Case of the Monday is for the GOAT conversation. Speaking of LeBron James. Listen. You can argue it's LeBron. You can argue it's MJ. You can argue Tom Brady. Whatever. I know who the real GOAT is. Beyonce. That's right. Beyonce. Last night. Becomes the all-time winningest Grammy artist. Ever. After winning... Uh, I don't even remember what the what she won. I mean, she won a Grammy for something. Listen. I... I, I when it comes to these types of award shows, I have just enough peripheral awareness that, like, I understand, obviously, what's going on and, and stuff like that. But, like, I, I'm, I don't, I'm not involved enough to be like, whoa, no way, what an upset. Oh, no, what, no, this other one, you know, something like that. Like, I, I have no idea. What I do know, though, is Beyonce is now the all-time, has the most Grammys won ever of any artist ever. Of all time. The go- undisputed. Undisputed go. I just want to make it clear though. I actually did not watch. The, uh, I watched. I think I flipped over to it like a couple times. I didn't actually watch the game. Again, like I said. Like my my attitude towards these types of award shows is. I, I don't watch them. Hardly ever. But I do have just enough of a outside awareness of like. Oh wow. This, this movie won best picture. Oh. This artist won. A Grammy, but I couldn't even tell you what it was for. I don't know. I mean, they have like best album, best like whatever. I don't know. I don't even know all. I don't even know all the awards. So, so I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm not. I've never been a. I've never been very. Uh, very. I'm trying to think of that word. I've never been very up to date on some of this type of pop culture stuff. And music particularly is the one area that I that I falter in the most. Like with movies and stuff, I okay, like hypothetically, like this, for example. When they come out with like the movies that are nominated for best picture, normally I've seen at least one or two of them probably. But I'm definitely not one of those guys that's going to go watch all. Of them. I don't care that much. Right? Now, if whichever one wins, I might go watch that one. But, like, for instance, I couldn't even tell you what movie won Best Picture last year. I have no idea. So, I, you know, I, I just, I keep up with it enough to, like, have a very, very surface-level understanding of what's going on. But I don't really know any deeper than basically that. But what I do know is that Beyonce is now the GOAT. So, the GOAT conversation, case of the Mondays, it's over. Beyonce. All right. Case of the Mondays for the Pro Bowl. Now, the reason I put this on here is because I don't know about you, but I think I watched all of about three seconds of the Pro Bowl stuff this weekend. And I'd be very curious to see what some of the ratings were for some of this stuff because it just it just didn't seem to be very good. The, the, the revamped Pro Bowl... I don't even I don't even know what if you can call it the Pro Bowl because there wasn't even a game. I mean I guess there was, but like 
I don't know, man. I, I, I flipped over and I saw Tyree Kill playing defense and I was like, dude, what? I mean, what? Like, what are we, what are we doing? What is this? What, what are we doing? What, what, why, why? What is the purpose? And you got Derek Carr, who had an average year at best. And he's in there? Like, what? I just don't understand. I just don't understand what, what, what the purpose is. So I put it on Case of the Mondays because I didn't watch it. I don't care. I don't know if anybody else watched it. Somebody can maybe fill me in or tell me. Okay. The other issue I had was I when I when for the brief period that I did turn on the, the flag football game, the, I didn't understand the rules. I didn't. I, it wasn't even like a – I mean, it was like I didn't even know what was going on. It said first and mid. And I was like, what is first and mid? What is that? What does that mean? It just didn't I, – I, I, I don't know. I, it just – it did not appeal to me. I didn't bother to watch any of it. I just... Yeah. Case of Mondays for the Pro Bowl. Case of the Mondays for rooting for a team in your division. New Broncos head coach Sean Payton said, quote, when asked about the Super Bowl, quote, I'm picking the Eagles. We never want anyone in our division to win anything. End quote. Hey, Sean. You've been the Broncos head coach for not even a week. What do you mean? This is so dumb. What do you mean? We never want anyone to win our division. You haven't even been. You haven't even played a game. You haven't even coached a game in the division. What are you? What are you talking about? What? Like this is the most. Like this is just so dumb. I, I. I listen. And what I love even more about this is some of the reaction was like Broncos fans were like, "Oh yeah, I'm glad we have a guy that." That stands up for our team. That doesn't offer platitudes towards other teams in the in the division. Dude, your team sucks. Nobody cares about you. What what are we doing? Oh, I'm picking the Eagles. Yeah, Sean, I don't care. You're gonna go five and twelve next year. Cry me a river. What are we doing? Ridiculous. Now listen. The reason that this makes me upset is because Sean Payton. Is, is the brand new Broncos head coach. If Sean Payton had been the Broncos head coach for like even a year or two years or three years, I would probably be more okay to just be like, yeah, okay, whatever, sure, whatever, fine. This guy hasn't even coached a game. This guy hasn't even coached a practice with the Broncos. He hasn't even done anything. Nothing. What are you, ta- what are you talking about? You haven't even done anything. So that's why that makes me mad. Because, like, listen, you know, that's fine. Like, if the Raiders are in the Super Bowl, I probably wouldn't root for the Raiders. If the Broncos won the Super Bowl, I definitely wouldn't root for the Broncos. But I've been a Chiefs fan my whole life. Okay? This guy's been head coach of the Broncos for 78 hours, or however long. And suddenly it's, well, we never won anyone in our division to win anything. What? Just ridiculous, man. Broncos 5 and 12, 2023. Guaranteed. Alright, case of the Mondays for retirement amount retirement announcements. AJ Green, quote unquote, announces his retirement. I thought he was already retired. This this actually does happen like frequently. Especially I feel like frequently. 
where some old wide receiver that, or any position, I guess, some old player that, like, hasn't been good for, like, five, six, seven years, like, announces their retirement on social media or whatever, people are like, wow, this guy's retiring. When he hasn't done anything in at least five years, if not longer. I mean, I just think it's dumb. The guy has basically been retired for five years. So listen, if I ever, whenever I retire from Rock Chalk Sports Talk, or leave Rock Chalk Sports Talk, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wait like three or four years after I've already like have faded into, in, faded into irrelevancy of the show. And then I'll come back and I'll be like, hey, by the way, I'm retiring from Rock Chalk Sports Talk. What do you mean you're retiring? You've been gone for three years, four years. Well, I'm just telling you. I'm just saying. I'm retiring. I'm retired. That's that's basically what this is to me. That's basically what this is to me. Or like you just, or like any other job, any job, fill in the blank. You have a job. And you just stop showing up to the job. Or you, or I guess a better way to put this, I guess a better analogy would be you start showing up to your job, but you start progressively doing a worse and worse job at your job. To the point where you don't even do your job anymore. And then you wait a while. And then you go back to your job and you say, hey, by the way, I'm retiring from this job. And your job says, what do you mean you're retiring? You were fired because you suck. That's, I mean, what are we doing here? What are we doing? Case of the Mondays for retirement announcements. All right, last one. Case of the Mondays for brotherly love. I put this on here because you've got the Kelsey brothers going to battle in the Super Bowl. You got Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. But is there really going to be any love during the game between those guys, between Travis and Jason? I'm also curious to see, are they going to record an episode of their podcast this week, even though they're both playing against each other? I don't know. But I think that deserves to be on Case of the Mondays because, you know, they're probably not going to be loving each other very much on Sunday, I would think. I don't know. All right, that's Case of the Mondays for this Monday edition of the show here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Coming up later on in this hour, after this break, we are going to recap K Women's Basketball. Had a big game on Saturday as well. We'll talk a little bit about that. Then we'll do a little bit of a Big 12 basketball whip around later on in the hour. And coming up at the 5 o'clock hour, at the top of the hour in the 5 o'clock hour, we will preview KU in Texas. That's coming up tonight right here on KLWN. Of course, you can listen with the Crimson and Blue show starting at 6.30, tip off at 8 o'clock tonight on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS. Once we preview that, we'll get into some player audio and some Bill Self audio from the Saturday loss to Iowa State, so we'll get to hear a little bit from the players and coaches, from Bill Self and some of the players ahead of tonight's matchup. Although the audio is from Saturday, so it's it's post-game audio from Saturday's loss to Iowa State in which they talk a little bit about tonight's matchup as well. Have that for you coming up in the 5 o'clock hour leading into, as I said, pregame coverage of KU and Texas beginning at 6.30 here on KLWN. 
right, we'll take a timeout. When we come back, we will discuss key women's basketball. Had a game on had a big game on Saturday. We'll talk about that. Have some audio from Coach Brandon Snyder as well on the other side. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer, Derek Johnson out today. Back tomorrow. It's been a pretty good show so far without Derek. All the shows without Derek are good. But not all the shows with Derek are good. You see what I'm saying? You notice a trend there? Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. No, I'm just kidding. Derek's great. He'll be back tomorrow. And right now I wanted to get a little bit deeper into the Big 12 situation. Talked about this quite a bit over the past couple weeks of sort of the state of the Big 12, especially coming into this this stretch, this stretch of games, a lot of the top teams playing each other. And what that means for the state of the Big 12 title race, what it means for where you put these different teams and how you rank them and whatnot. And case in point, Texas at 8-2, and two, Iowa State 7-3, and three, four teams at 6-4, and four, and, o- and now Oklahoma State slowly sneaking into the picture at 5-5. Five and five. Now here's the deal. Oklahoma State's not going to win the Big 12 title. They're just not. They're 5-5. Five and five. That's, that's not going to do it. And if you drop to 6-5, and five, if you're Kansas, Kansas State, Baylor, TCU, yeah, you're probably not going to win the Big 12 title either, right? So, and there are some significant games coming up, including the one tonight between Kansas and Texas. And I'll get more into that coming up in the 5 o'clock hour to preview that before we head to Crimson and Blue, which will begin at 6.30 here on KLWN. But listen, KU and Texas is the only game tonight in the Big 12. TCU and Kansas State is tomorrow. They play tomorrow night in Manhattan. Those are two teams. Those are two teams that are six and four in the conference. Again, whichever team loses that game, you're going to be six and five. And I just don't. I don't think six and five is going to win the conference. I don't think you have a chance if you're six and five. And then you go to Wednesday. Wednesday, you got Iowa State, West Virginia, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma-Baylor. The Oklahoma-Baylor game is in Waco, but Oklahoma has been an interesting team. Maybe they knock off Baylor. Baylor's another 6-4 and four team in conference. Iowa State goes at West Virginia, which is a little intriguing, I would say. I don't think it, it definitely doesn't qualify as, like, must-watch or, wow, I got to really tune in for this Iowa State-West Virginia game. But West Virginia is kind of frisky sometimes. And then Oklahoma State has a good chance to actually improve to 6-5 and five in the conference with a win against Texas Tech on Wednesday. Which, again, that's probably not going to win it, but Oklahoma State suddenly has a chance to, to say, hey, we could be tied for third in the Big 12 in four days. Which is interesting, to say the least. 
But the big story here as it relates to Kansas is we talked a little bit out in the open. We'll talk more talk more about it coming up in the five o'clock hour is you lose this game against Texas and you're you're probably done for the Big Twelve. Like I just said, six and five, probably not gonna you know, unless you unless you miraculously get really hot and run the table. Six and five is probably not gonna get it done. It's just not. <clears throat> it's just not. And listen. Two weeks ago, coming into the stretch of games for Kansas, we knew it was going to be tough. We knew it was going to be a bloodbath even for Kansas. I mean, you go back to before the Iowa State game at home. We talked about Iowa State at home, K-State on the road, TCU at home, Baylor on the road, Kentucky, K-State again, Iowa State, Texas. I mean, you want to talk about the gauntlet of, what is that, eight games? I can't do math. Hang on. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, eight games. In a stretch of eight games, seven of them are against or have been against top 15 opponents. And the one that wasn't a top 15 opponent, Kentucky, in Rupp, on the road. I mean, that is just... Think about that for a second. That That is incredible. That's incredible. And going into it, we expected Kansas was probably going to drop a game or two, maybe multiple games. Well, they ended up dropping three in a row. And then they dropped another one against Iowa State on Saturday. And now the margin for error for Kansas is basically gone. Basically gone. You pretty much have to win tonight. I don't want to throw out the term must win, but it kind of feels like that. And I spent some time talking, or I've spent some time, multiple segments over the past couple weeks, talking about how these next two weeks are going to really define who's who's in the top tier and who's not, and who's in the second tier. Who's competing for a Big 12 title, and who's a good team but is in the second tier in the Big 12. Well, if you lose this game tonight, if you're Kansas, you're in the second tier. You're a good team that's not competing for the Big 12 title. And both those things can be true because of how good the Big 12 is this year. But that's the significance of this game. And then you look at the K-State-TCU game, kind of the same significance, I would say, for those two teams. And listen, when Kansas State started conference play really hot, I mentioned, you know, hey, Kansas State could could fall off, right? And, but if they fall off and they still end up finishing 10-8, and eight, that's like four wins better than I think most people thought they were going to be. Four or five wins better than what people thought they were. So it's still a good season for Kansas State, but I, I think Kansas State's in the second tier. And I, I think, and I mean, unless they beat TCU. If they beat TCU, then they still are in the conversation for, for being a contender, but we'll see. They just dropped against Texas at home. If they dropped, listen, if you lose back-to-back games at home against Texas and TCU, I think I think you're done. I think you can pretty much say you're done. Iowa State is an interesting team because they have a couple of big road wins against other top teams in the conference. They haven't lost at home all season. They're 12-0 at home this season. And now they're sitting at 7-3. 
that's that's pretty good. I I don't I don't know. I've been kind of wishy washy on Iowa State. Like they're just they're good defense. They're not super flashy. But I mean they they win games. They win games especially at home. So I don't know what to I don't know. I mean is Iowa State really a contender? I just I don't know. I just don't expect I I I can't see myself saying Iowa State's a Big 12 title contender and that being serious. That's just where I'm at. That's just where I'm at. But because of the win against Kansas on Saturday, they are there firmly for the time being. And they have West Virginia on on Wednesday. And Baylor with the 0-3 start. Listen, we were ready to write off Baylor. I was with the 0-3 start. But they've done enough to climb back to convince you, okay, does Baylor have a chance? Uh, I don't know, maybe. Well, Baylor plays TCU on Saturday. That That's a big one. And that's a big one for TCU too, right? If TCU wins, if TCU loses against Kansas State and then loses against Baylor, that would make them what six and six at that point. <laughs> They're done. You can stick a fork in them at that point. But that, that's that's kind of the point that I've been making over the past week and a half or so, and and now is that at this time next week, I think we're going to have a much a much stronger idea of who is a good team but not a Big Twelve title contending team. And who is actually, yes, a Big 12 title contending team. I think we're going to find out a lot of those, a lot of answers to those questions this week in the Big 12. Which, again, might sound a little strange considering you've got, you've got six teams that are all within two games of each other. But I just think because a lot of them play each other and because of how it's going to shake out, I think you're going to see a pretty clear line of distinction between okay yep here are the two or three teams that are definitely in it and here are the two or three teams that hypothetically if they run the table they would be in it but they're not going to and so they're just good teams that are just not good enough but those good teams that are not good enough could end up being you know four or five seeds in the tournament in the NCAA tournament I mean Kansas is probably going to still end up being at least a at least a three seed I would think at this point in the NCAA tournament. And think about it. Let's say you're an average Big Big Ten team. Let's say you're Rutgers, who's having a pretty good season. Let's say you're Rutgers. <coughs> so you're Rutgers. That's something I never want to be. I don't want to be Rutgers, but just hypothetically speaking, I'm Rutgers. And I get like a... I don't know. I don't even know what Rutgers is, is projected to get on, on bracketology. I'm Rutgers, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get like a what a, a six seed, and my three matchup is gonna be Kansas. It's gonna be Iowa State. It's gonna be Baylor. Yeah, you ain't winning crap if you're in that situation. If you're Rutgers, you might as well might as well book your flight out right after that. Your flight back home. To Piscataway, New Jersey, because that's where you're going to be if you have to play one of those teams in round 32. See ya. Or if you're some average ACC team. 
I, I, yeah, it's it's tough. I, it's it's going to be tough for those types of teams. Yeah, so Joe Lenardi has records as a five seed. Oh, this is perfect. I'm just looking at back and telling you right now. Joe Lenardi has records as a five seed and Iowa State as the four in their region. This is this is perfect. This is exactly what I just described. Rutgers will win their matchup, and then you're going to play Iowa State in the round of 32? You might as well not even show up to the court, to the game. Just just go home. I mean, seriously. Seriously. Or if you're Providence, and you're going to be a five seed or a six seed, and your four matchup is going to be TCU, why even show up to the game? Why even show up? If you're Indiana and you're going to be a six seed or a five seed and you get stuck with Baylor, why even show up? Why even show up at that point? That's hilarious that I did the Rutgers example in it, and it's literally right there. It's literally right there on Joel Nardi's Bracketology. Rutgers and Iowa State, five and four. You think Rutgers is beating Iowa State? In what universe? Not the one that we live in now. And this is where Derek and I kind of flirted with this conversation last week, I think, where, you know, does the Big 12 have six teams that could legitimately make a case to make, like, the Elite Eight or the Final Four? I think potentially, yes. Listen, you can call me a hater if you want. K-State's not one of those teams. They're just not. K-State is actually the opposite. K-State's going to be a team that I think might end up getting a higher seed and then they will lose in like the first or second round. But Iowa State has the defense to do it. Baylor has the scoring to do it. They have the opposite of Iowa State. They don't have the defense. They have the score. They have the guard play and the scoring. TCU, assuming they're healthy by tournament time with Lampkin and Mike Miles, which they should be, They'll have the athleticism. I guess I got to throw Texas in there, even though even though I'm still not totally sold on Texas. I'll put Kansas in there for now. I think Kansas could make a run, potentially. So, you know, five teams that could make a run. Listen, if K-State gets a five seed, they're going to lose to the whoever their 12 seed is. I'm just telling you. You can call me a hater if you want. That's just the facts. They're gonna lose. They're gonna lose. If they're if they're a five seed in a twelve in a twelve five matchup, they're gonna lose. I mean, picture it now. Here, let's let's see what let's see what Joe already has on this. Let's see if I'm right again. Picture it now. Kansas State as a five seed. And they get New Mexico as their eleven. Or as their twelve, I mean. Uh, Joe's got Kansas State as a three seed. Oh, but okay, never mind. He's got Kansas State as a three seed. I don't think that's gonna hold. K State is a three seed. And they get New Mexico as their fourteen. Or Florida Atlantic. They ain't winning that game. Nah. All right. 
That's been the Big 12 Whip Around. We're going to take a short, we're going to take a break here for the top of the hour. When we come back in the 5 o'clock hour, we are going to get you ready for the KU Texas game. That's coming up later tonight here on KLWN. Preview the KU Texas game a little bit more in depth. And also here's some audio from Saturday's loss against Iowa State from KU. Jalen Williams, or Jalen Wilson, pardon me, Jalen Wilson, KJ Adams, and then also Bill Self later on in the hour. Uh, we'll hear from them after the loss against Iowa State on Saturday. That's a look ahead at the 5 o'clock hour. Just a reminder, 6.30 p.m., Crimson and Blue Show starts here on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS. Tip-off for KU in Texas coming up at 8 o'clock tonight. I will take a break. Come back for the 5 o'clock hour. This is RCST on KLWN. 5 o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Nick Springer. Derek Johnson is out today. Coming up later on in the hour, we'll have some audio from the Iowa State game for Kansas men's basketball. We'll hear from a couple of the players as well as Bill Self later on in the show. Some post-game audio from the tough loss on the road against Iowa State on Saturday. And a very quick turnaround for Kansas, obviously, as they will take on Texas here tonight, right here on KWN, with pregame coverage beating at 6.30 with the Crimson and Blue Show, leading into tip-off for the Big Monday, Big Monday matchup between Kansas and Texas coming up at 8 o'clock right here on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS. So this is the first time these two teams are going to meet this season. Kansas, of course, has already played a couple of teams twice before they will even meet Texas. And this is a game that, for Kansas, suddenly becomes almost a must-win when you consider what happened against Iowa State, and now Kansas dropping to 6-4. and four. Meanwhile, Texas got a big win against Kansas State on the road, so they're looking pretty good. They're in sole possession of first place in the Big 12 right now, and a chance with a win on the road against Kansas to really, really distance themselves from uh, the rest of the field here tonight against Kansas. So for KU... I talked about how uh, over these next 10 days or so for a lot of these top teams, they're playing each other, so we're going to really find out who is a true contender and who is maybe firmly entrenched in that second tier. Well, that applies to Kansas as well. And with the loss here tonight against Texas, I think that would pretty much firmly move Kansas into that second tier of the Big 12 in which they probably would no longer be a serious threat to contend, and they would need a lot of help, obviously. They'd need a lot of these top, other top teams to lose, which is not entirely out of the question, but for Kansas – you really need to win this game if you want to if you want to have a say in still being in that upper tier of true true Big 12 title contenders and you got to take care of business against Texas. And and this is a Texas team that has obviously been through so much uh, so far this season when you go back and consider all the Chris Beard stuff that happened to them and how it was like okay, our, you know, where with with no Chris Beard what is the team going to be at that point? Well, they're 19 and 4, they're 8 and 2. Uh, they're 13-1 at home, 4-2 and two on the road, and they are 8-2 and two in the Big 12, obviously, in first place with uh, some really, really nice wins recently. Listen, they went to Tennessee in the Big 12 SEC Challenge uh, back on the January 28th and pretty much got handled by Tennessee. I mean, I think it ended up being an 11-point game, but Tennessee was pretty much firmly in control. I think they were up by more than uh, 15 uh, for chunks of that game. So Texas never really in that game against Tennessee, which obviously is a common opponent with Kansas that the Jayhawks also lost to against Tennessee back in November. But then after the loss to Tennessee for Texas, they come back home, they play Baylor, and win 76-71 at home. Okay, good win. Then they go at Kansas State and take down the Wildcats 69-66. So now they're probably not really thinking too much about that Tennessee loss. They've gotten two top 10, two top 12 wins back-to-back against Baylor uh, and, and Kansas State, and now coming into Kansas, right, with probably a chip on the shoulder saying, hey, listen, we win this game and we're going to be in prime position to to really capitalize on on 
what is kind of a, a Big 12 that kind of cannibalizes itself, but Texas firmly on the top if, if they win this game against Kansas. So there's a, a definitely a lot on the line for both these teams. And listen, for Kansas, it's, it's kind of the same old story. You're always going to have the target on your back if you're Kansas. And this game feels like an opportunity if you're Texas where, okay, Kansas is maybe down to a knee. They've lost four of their last six games. Here's a chance for us to maybe officially slay the Giants and really truly take them out of Big 12 title contention while also only furthering ourselves uh, towards that Big 12 title. So a lot on the line here. And for Kansas, listen, at the end of the day, the blueprint for how Kansas has lost some of these games, it's been pretty much the same every game, right? It's been some combination of getting off to a slow start, too many turnovers, and really not getting enough offensive production from anybody besides Jalen Wilson, right? And and, and I mentioned, I'm, I'll mention this is Jalen Wilson has had one of the best six game stretches of scoring from any player under Bill Self in twenty, you know, in twenty plus years, and yet Kansas is two and four in that span. So that's really that's really really tough. That's that's a tough thing to accept. I think is you you've got the best player on your team playing not only. At a high level, but at the highest level that anybody has ever played, scoring-wise, under Bill Self in the last 20 years, and yet as a team, you're two and four on that stretch. That's really disappointing for Kansas. But listen, it's a great opportunity to come home and try to bounce back for KU because if you win this game for Kansas, you're back to seven and four. You knock Texas down to eight and three. You'd still be a game back, but you'd pretty much be very much firmly in the hunt. Whereas if you lose this game, you're probably, like I said, looking at at falling into that uh, into that second tier of teams that are really good but not going to be Big 12 title contenders for the remainder of, of, of Big 12 title play. So when you look at Texas and what they do, they're obviously they're led by Marcus Carr. And listen, when, when you set aside the Chris Beard stuff, this is still a team that is pretty talented, right? This is still a pretty a pretty loaded team in terms of talent. So it wasn't like it was just Chris Beard that was kind of the main engine for, for Texas. He he. He assembled a pretty strong roster, uh, and so even in his absence, these are some guys that have stepped up and played pretty well. It starts with Marcus Carr, averaging over 16 points per game. Uh, he's also one of their top uh, three-point shooters at thirty, at almost 39% as well. So he, he's really the guy that kind of drives it for for uh, Texas, averaging over 16 points per game. Then they've got a couple of guys off the bench. Timmy Allen, their big man, is, is going to be a guy to keep an eye on as well, uh, averaging over 10 points per game. Uh, and averaging almost six rebounds per game as well. So, yeah, th- this is a this is a Texas team that obviously I, I think w- the other way you can look at this though for Texas is they they really have had a fairly f- front loaded easy schedule. I guess that's not really right the way to say it. They've had a they have a back loaded conference schedule. I guess the the front part of their conference schedule was really not very difficult. Uh, you know, they got Kansas State early on before we knew what they were, and and obviously lost at home against Kansas State. But then they played TCU at home. They had to go out Iowa State, but they've had they've already played Oklahoma State twice. They've played Oklahoma. They played Texas Tech, West Virginia. So a lot of these teams that are not in the upper echelon of the Big Twelve. And you look at the back half. They played Baylor. They just played Kansas State. They're going to play Kansas, and then their last. Then they'll have a, another little bit of a three game stretch that's a little bit easier. They got West Virginia at home at Texas Tech versus Oklahoma. But then their last four games in conference play: Iowa State at home back-to-back games at Baylor and at TCU before they finish the season at Kansas. So for KU, you win this game, you're at 7-4, and four, you're a game back of Texas. But, I mean, I just listed those last four games for Texas. First Iowa State at Baylor at TCU versus Kansas. I mean, they're probably going to lose at least one of those, right? Maybe two. I mean, you got to go at Baylor and at TCU. So Texas could easily finish conference play 2-2 two and two, 
uh, in that last stretch uh, because they've played a lot of the lower tier teams in the Big 12 earlier in the season. So, you know, there's a, there's a possibility even if even if Kansas drops this game that they could be uh, pretty much, or I should say, even if Texas drops this game, that they should be pretty much in a position where they might drop even more games towards the end of the schedule. So for Kansas, if you're seven and four winning this game against Texas, you still feel like you have a pretty good shot at at coming back to to win that Big Twelve title. So when you look at Texas, the two games they've lost in conference play, Kansas State at home and at Iowa State. Obviously, Kansas lost at Iowa State as well. That Iowa State game for Texas came back on January 17th. So they are on a four-game win streak in conference play uh, against West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Baylor, and Kansas State, which the first two wins don't necessarily jump out at you, but their last two certainly intrigue you. And in the win against Kansas State, they had five players scoring double figures. So this is a, a team from Texas that they can kind of rely on some different guys to score as well. Marcus Carr only had 10 points in the game. In fact, Marcus Carr was 0 of 5 from 3. Texas was just 4 of 16 from 3 in the game against Kansas State and still got the win. And they did have nine offense rebounds uh, in that game against Kansas State. That's not one of their main, main strengths, but it is something to keep an eye on. Obviously, that's an area that Kansas at times has struggled with. But listen, Texas found a way to win an ugly game against against Kansas State at Brambridge. So they, they can win in a lot of different ways. And that generally is, is one of the signs of, of a true upper-tier team, right? Is a team that can win when they're not playing their best. A team that can win in different environments and in different types of games. So I think this game is certainly going to be a real challenge for Kansas. But, but to me, this game is more about Kansas than it is about Texas. For Kansas, this is a sort of a backs-against-the-wall type game. Again, a game where if you win, you're still right on the fringe of battling for, for first place. You're only a game back at that point. There's still plenty of games left to play. But a loss, and you feel like you're really buried. You feel like you're really, really... I mean, 6-5 and five just does not feel like it's you're going to have a chance to win the Big 12 if you're 6-5. and five. And I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, well, it's only one game difference. Well, in a league with that is this jumbled at the top with so many top-tier teams, that's a pretty significant difference, especially a loss at home uh, to a team that's in first place already right now in Texas. So for Kansas, I think it really comes down to a, a, a lot of what we've already been talking about with this KU team, which is you've got to find a way to make sure you don't get off to a, to a slow start. You've got to find a way to make sure you don't get down early, right? I mean, you go back to the TCU game. The TCU game, the the game was basically over at the under 12 in the first half, right? You're down by 20 in the first half. And listen, I know it's Allen Fieldhouse. I know Kansas can come back. But when you're down by that many that early, the game is is pretty much over. You look at the K-State game, you were down 14. Now you you clawed your way back. You look at the Baylor game. But again, we've heard from Bill Self talking about this, is that when you're down like that early, you have to expend so much energy just to get back into a situation where it's then you know more of a neck and neck game, and that energy that you've expended there, then you then you, it's almost like running out of steam, right? You have to since you're starting from so far behind, you have to expend all your energy just trying to catch up, and then when you finally do catch up, there's nothing left in the tank to actually really overtake that team, and that's what we saw against Baylor. I think uh, was a good example of that, and then against Iowa State, I mean it was just wire to wire domination from Iowa State, Kansas. They they got off to a slow start and never really were able to climb back into it that much. I think they I think I think KU cut it to two against Iowa State and then Iowa State went on a big run before the end of the first half. But but yeah, the, the three factors of this game for me are the start of the game. How does KU come out and start this game? Number two is turnovers. You're coming off of a game in which you get you had your most turnovers of the season and 
Look at the result. You lost. Got to find a way to protect the ball a little bit better uh, against Texas. And number three is just finding scoring help for, for, for Jalen Wilson. Grady Dick fell back into a bit of a slump again against Iowa State. K.J. Adams didn't offer much. DeWan Harris didn't offer much. He was 0-3 from 3. So, <clears throat> you know, you've got to find some help for Jalen. you got to find some offensive spark somewhere. And obviously this is a game where Kansas is coming in pretty beat up too, right? You, you don't really know the status of Bobby Pettiford. You know Zach Clements is out. So really, and Bill Self mentioned this in, in his postgame, you've got your core guys that are still intact. Jalen Wilson, Dewan Harris, K.J. Adams, and Kevin McCuller to a certain extent, and Grady Dick, right? So basically your five starters that are still intact. Kevin McCuller, maybe not fully 100%. That, that's it. You've got to find it from those guys, right? So you've got to find it from Grady Dick. You've got to find it from K.J. Adams. Because Jalen, it's just, it's just not going to be enough. And, and the big concern that I have at this point is, how much longer can Jalen keep this up, right? If Jalen has not been playing at the level that he's been playing at over the last six games, some of these losses for Kansas might look even worse, right? I mean, like the TCU game, for example, that could have been like a 30 or 35-point loss if Jalen doesn't do what he's doing, right? This Iowa State game on Saturday could have been a 20 to 25 point loss if Jalen's not doing what he's doing. So I guess I just don't understand how much longer you can realistically expect Jalen to continue to play at this level without getting some help. So that those are the three big factors for me. You've got to find a way to limit turnovers. You got to find a way to make sure you get off to a, a decent start. And, and again, when I, when I say get off to a decent start, I'm not saying it that you need to be out up ahead by six, eight points early. You just need to make sure you're not down six or eight points early in the game. Right, so just getting off to a neutral start. If it's, you know, if it's fourteen to fourteen at the end of twelve, that's great. That's great for Kansas, I think. If it's tied or whatever, that would be perfectly fine. Uh, but you've just got to make sure you don't get yourself down early. You got to make sure you get off to a quick start. That's going to be one of the uh, really, really important factors in this game, I think, for Kansas. And then again, the turnovers, and again, finding extra scoring for for Jalen Wilson. You got to get him some help. You got to get him some help. And if it's the if it's the high pick and roll with KJ Adams and trying to get him on a short roll to the basket and hitting some some you know short to mid range shots, Grady Dick I think it's the Grady Dick situation is tough because you look back at the Iowa State game you go back to the film in the first half Grady Dick had some really good looks at threes and they were just they just weren't falling right and that's a situation where uh, you know what do you do at that point right I mean Grady Dick is is supposed to be your best shooter on the team and if and if the shots just aren't going in if he's getting open. What do you do about that? You know, I mean, I go back to the first half. You ran the elevator play to Grady to perfection for a corner three, and he just missed it. So, I, I don't know. I guess we'll see how much maybe Kansas can rely on Grady Dick potentially pretty early in the game. But if it's not coming from Grady, Kevin McCuller's got to step up. He's got to find a way to get to the basket and, and maybe draw some fouls and get some get to the free throw line. Dewan Harris, again, 0-3 from 3 uh, in the Iowa State game, but he's he's got to find a way to get it involved as well. So, I think at times, especially when Kansas has been down big, it's been a mentality of, for the other guys on the floor, just give it to Jalen and get out of his way. Just give it to Jalen and get out of his way. Give it to Jalen and let him shoot. And that's that's fine. I don't, I don't even think that's really a terrible strategy in certain situations, but when you're down big like that, you, you've got to get it from other people too. You've got to get it from other players too. And, and I think early in, a game, early in the game, if Kansas can get that early from some guys, and then not all of a sudden feel like they do have to rely on Jalen immediately uh, when they get down. I think that could really, really help them out a lot. So all in all, all, all that is to say that this is a really, really important game, obviously, for Kansas uh, in terms of just trying to bounce back and, and regain, recapture some of that confidence. At the end of the day, though, 
this is a Kansas team that's still probably going to be at least a two or a three seed at the worst in the NCAA tournament. But you'd obviously love to have a shot at the Big 12 title. You'd love to shot, have a shot at, at maybe even a one seed, right? I mean, if Kansas is able to, to turn things around and really rip off some some consecutive wins in a row, there's not really any really true elite teams in college basketball this year. It's not that far-fetched to say that Kansas could easily find themselves right back on the one line again in a couple of weeks if they're able to rip off four, five, six wins in a row. And for the good news for Kansas is the schedule does get easier after this game against Texas Tech. But again, with a loss here for Kansas and you're 6-5 and five in conference, it's going to feel too little too late, I think, for KU, even if they are able to, to get on a run and, and, put, and put some wins together. It's going to feel too little too late. A win here tonight, and maybe that's not the case for Kansas, right, as they go down the stretch of Big 12 play. Maybe that's not the case. Maybe it is you feel like you do actually have a chance because you'll only be one, you'll only be one game back of, Cam- of Texas, and Texas does have uh, a, a very tough stretch to end the season, certainly, uh, as well. So a lot on the line here. you got to defend home court. you got to make it feel like you're still in the Big 12 title race. And this is a game that I think historically KU rises up to. Bill Self and his teams will rise up to. This is a game where, kind of like I mentioned earlier, Kansas is almost down on one knee, right? And here comes Texas coming into your place, coming into your domain to try to really slay you once and for all and, and really knock you out or way down on the, on the scoreboard in terms of trying to get the Big 12 title. This is a game that feels like Kansas rises up to. And I guess we'll see if that's the case later on tonight. But that's that's kind of what it feels like. I think, I think this is going to be a game where Kansas does find a way to win. It's at, it's at Allen Fieldhouse. Your back's against the wall. And you've got to find a way to win, and that's normally what Kansas does. They just they, they do find a way to win these games. So I do like Kansas tonight. But again, I think e- equally the storyline tomorrow could be, okay, you're 6-5, and five, and now the Big 12 season is basically done for, basically wrapped up if you're Kansas. And at that point, I think if, if we're coming into the show tomorrow to talk about a 6-5 and five, uh, Kansas basketball team in the Big 12 Conference, I think the discussion is going to shift quickly to focusing on the NCAA tournament, focusing on making a run there. But I, I don't I don't want it to be that, right? I mean, listen, I'm a, I'm a KU fan. You know, I want to see KU continue to battle for the Big 12 title. But this is a measuring stick game for Kansas. Are you still in contention? Are you still on the fringe of, of really, really taking the Big 12 title? Or are you a second-tier team in the Big 12? Are you a good team? but not a great team in the Big 12. That's what I think we will probably learn tonight for Kansas against Texas. All right, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll have some audio for you coming up. It'll be Jalen Wilson and KJ Adams audio coming up next, and then later on in the hour, we'll hear from Bill Self as well. This is post-game audio from after the Iowa State loss on Saturday uh, as there was some discussion about how what went wrong against Iowa State and whatnot, and a little bit of looking ahead to tonight's game against Texas. So I'll have that audio coming up for you. Dylan Wilson, KJ Adams next, and Bill Self coming up later, later on in the hour. This is RCST on KLWN. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN in Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.